0: you ready to let the dogs out what do what <laughs> let the dogs out you know like who let the
1: dogs out who, who?
0: you're listening to the victory bells podcast
1: yep it's made with bits of real panther so you know it's good
0: with the latest in everything red raider sports i almost numchucked
1: chucked you you don't even realize hey ma can we get some meatloaf here's will McKay. you know i'm just a this a big hairy American winning machine. If you ain't first, you're last.
0: In Matt Clair.
1: Hey guys. Oh, big gulps,
0: huh? Alright. Well, see you later.
1: What is up everybody? Welcome into this week's edition of the Victory Bells podcast. I am your host, Will McKay. Joining you live from the good old LBK and joining you from uh, from farther south, from uh, the southern reaches, as you would say, almost near the old gulf, I guess you'd say, is uh, my man Matt Clare down there in H-Town. What's up, Matt?
0: Hey, what's up, Will? How you doing, man?
1: Man, I'm doing pretty good. I can't complain. It's been a uh, good week, you know, so far. It's only Tuesday, so uh, I guess can't complain about anything, man. But, but then again, very rarely can I complain about things, you know?
0: Yeah, it's been, uh, I mean, I can't complain too much. It's it's that soupy time of year down here in Houston, though, because it's been raining off and on for it's seven like a swamp days. swamp cooler. Yeah, and then it gets up to, like, 84, 89, and it's just, ugh.
1: No, it's just that's, disgusting. That, that is the one thing I will say that's kind of sucked. Is kind of the polar opposite of that up here in the nether regions, basically, of weather, of weather patterns where you don't know what it's going to be. Like the last five days, and especially over the weekend, it was like 60 degrees, and then at night it was like 40 degrees, and of course that's what would happen on May 1st in in Lubbock. So, um, but other than that, it's been good. So, uh, so things are uh, are going really well, and uh, just kind of jumping into things. Speaking of things that are going really well for uh, the Red Raiders, got news this last, uh, I guess at the end of this last week that. Uh, satellite camps are now back on. The NCAA overturned the ruling to ban satellite camps. So, just real quick, you know, we just wanted to talk a little bit about that and obviously just kind of how stupid of a decision it was in the first place and just kind of crazy that just because you never really see from public outcry the NCAA really do anything. Uh, but I think there was starting to be some pressure kind of on them and they decided to flip it back. So, uh, if you're if you're a Texas Tech, you're certainly happy about it, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of coaches are happy about it. And I I just think the uh I don't know a large group of athletes and a large group of folks that have that have grown used to to uh, competing and holding these camps and traveling across the state. I mean, I think it puts them at ease. And I, I've got to say, I mean, overall, isn't it, isn't it one of the the more weird or odd things that you've seen i mean we all know that the ncaa kind of is the butt of a lot of the jokes but it just seemed like the public outcry just really made this thing do a 180 and, and they didn't really have much other of a choice you know
1: no they they didn't have a choice because i think i think the biggest point you look at is when you see how this limited so many prospects from being able to go so, to so many camps and i think that's the sticking point that you really talk about and how it limits schools, you know, like Texas tech specifically who aren't in a major Metroplex area or, or close to one close to like a big, one of their big hotbeds where they take a bunch of their prospects. So I just think there was so much outcry and the thing that, and you'll, we'll probably never hear about it. Or if we do, it'll all be kind of back, you know, kind of back, uh, back door rumors where, I wonder how much internal pressure there was from schools, mm-hmm. uh, not obviously not in the SEC, as far as you know, you know schools like Tech and, and schools in the Big Twelve and the Pac twelve and and in the ACC and these other places. I, I just that's what I wonder is how much pressure do you think they got from from other places internally? You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, I, I mean I don't know so much about internally because. I mean, Texas Tech is, uh, it, you know, yeah, it's a Texas school, but especially like we talked about it every week on the top, you know, I'm here in Houston and, you know, for a lot of kids, that's, that's just a, a world away. And so you have to be able to have these camps across the state. But I think what you'll start to see now that, okay, these are legal and we don't like it when, so and so does this, or, you know, they'll threaten to make them illegal because of this, or we've, we've now set the precedent that this is okay. You see the schools with deeper pockets, like, you know, we've talked about it, uh, probably a month or so before, uh, that, that not just every program can do what Michigan did. No, absolutely I mean, that, not. that costs like, I think $177,000 for them to, to make the travel and to do all that. Texas Tech probably doesn't have that sitting around in the budget, mm-hmm. you know, they, they all hop in a big you know uh a big caravan of of people with a big old truck carrying all their gear and and they go around the state and that no way shape or form costs 177k i mean heck with all the camp uh you know payment entries and all that they probably more than pay for the uh the volunteer coaches and and all the 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 benefit uh, of making these trips so i i guess that's a big difference you'll see is is you've already seen the Texas coaches come out and say, "Well, hey, we're going to push the issue on satellite camps we never have before, but uh, we're going to go to the the talent rich portions of the state, and if we decide to go outside of the state, you know, we'll do so strategically." So, I think you'll see that. You know, I think you'll even see schools that, you know, maybe two weeks ago where we said, "Well, yeah, you know, Texas's and the A and M's they don't really do satellite camps." Well, guess what? A and already got one set up in like Georgia and Tennessee, uh, which so makes th-
1: sense for them being in the SEC well, still. right but
0: but traditionally they didn't do that
1: and they and didn't so need now, to though traditionally
0: maybe maybe not right but now it's like okay well if it's going to be legal and and this is, is this is allowed then this is what we're going to do
1: yeah absolutely and whenever you you look at a school like uh like tech like tech specifically and you mentioned this you know beforehand whenever we were kind of having our you know uh pre-podcast meeting where uh, you wonder what Texas Tech might do in the state of Oklahoma with the connections that Coach Spavidal and some of the other guys on staff have. You know, could you see uh, Tech, you know, maybe do a camp up at Tulsa or somewhere like that? Because I think that would make a lot of sense for Tech and what they're trying to do right now.
0: Yeah, no, I mean
1: I agree with that, um, and we'll just have to see where it goes. Yeah, no, I know absolutely am. The interesting thing, too, to me and is, like, you see TCU, and they're going to bring in all these other schools from around the country, like Alabama's going to come to one of their camps, and that that's just kind of the weird thing to me is when these Division One schools, especially all these Power 5 schools, start doing camps with one another. At, one po- at what point is it beneficial for both of you, and and you both kind of get the equal benefit, and at what point do you think – well, this really helps out Alabama more than it helps out TCU You know, in a situation like that?
0: Uh, you know, yes and no. I, I think that depending on who you ask, you could look at that a, a couple of different ways. I think that, you know, you've already presented the, the case to where, you know, yeah, why? You know, they're already coming into the state and cherry-pricking some of the top kids. But um, on the other hand, somebody could say, well, they're Alabama and they're going to get who they want nine times out of ten so even if you know the tcus or the baylors of the world tell them to uh to get out you know it's not going to make that much of a difference and i think you see that with harbaugh and briles as well uh at baylor and michigan holding their super camp in uh in waco so i don't see tech making any of those moves i don't see any of that because of the cancellation and and now the Mm -hmm. the reformation of camps i think they still continue to do their own thing and um I, I don't know Kingsbury's never really been into the hype he's never really been into right. all the extra stuff so you know what you see is what you get i mean I, I think they might do a video or a tribute every once in a while on social media but i don't i don't think that he starts to jump into this thing head first and, and doing camps with other uh schools and and no. to be quite honest if you i mean and you can back me up on this when you talk to a, a prospect or a recruit and they go to even last year, Michigan had these camps, right, where they would be hosted at various high schools, and it would be coaches from Ohio State, coaches from here, coaches from there. I mean, it would be yeah. this huge thing, and that was the idea. And and it's promoted by a company, right? Mm. And, and you'd have let's say, let's say we work with even numbers here. They have four hundred kids at that camp. Well, your experience at that camp or your ability to actually get seen at that camp. Is is significantly smaller than if you just have Texas Tech there with a few coaches from Nevada, and there are a hundred or maybe even one hundred fifty kids. You're getting more reps.
1: Intimate.
0: Yeah, it's much more intimate, more reps, more one-on-one time with coaches. So I guess it really depends on your school of thought. A lot of these kids are shelling out thirty to forty bucks per camp, so um, you know, not every kid just has a, an endless supply of uh, you know forty per right, camp. Right. And so they, they have to pick and choose. That's why I think it's just important for, I, I you know, in my opinion, for Tech to just do their own thing because they're already being selective when it comes to some of these offers on the defensive side of the ball. They may as well be selective and, and kind of stick to their own thing when it comes to these satellite camps because, you know, it really hasn't steered them in the wrong direction so far.
1: No, it absolutely hasn't. And uh, with this coming back open, I know Tech is moving pretty quick to – uh, schedule all their new camps and kind of figure out where they're going to be this year. I obviously would assume there's going to be two in Dallas, two in Houston, one in East Texas and one in Central Texas is is what I would assume as far as how they'll, uh, how they'll kind of do that. So uh, we'll let you guys know as soon as we hear uh, where they're going to have the camps and uh, when they're going to get a look at a bunch of these prospects. And uh, speaking of guys that used to be prospects uh, four or five years ago and guys that just now uh, or on the other side of the equation as far as being a prospect, guys that are prospects for the NFL, all these guys got drafted this last weekend as the NFL draft was last weekend in Chicago. And excuse me, and uh, Texas Tech had three guys selected with uh, LeRay, offensive tackle Raven Clark going to the Colts in the middle of the third round, and then DeAndre Washington going at the beginning of the fifth round to the Oakland Raiders. And then you had Jakeem Grant going at the beginning of the sixth round to the Miami Dolphins. So I think the three guys that you thought Tech would get drafted got drafted, and uh, everything kind of went uh, mm-hmm. as you kind of expected. I think uh, Raven may have gone a little bit further down than I think I expected or maybe a couple other people thought. Uh, I kind of thought he might go to New England there at the end of the second round, but regardless, that's a good laying spot for mm-hmm. him. Uh, you know, DeAndre Washington, that was exactly where everybody kind of had him pinned to get drafted was – in the fifth round and goes to a place where uh, that fits him well, and then uh, Jakeen kind of got drafted, you know, kind of a surprise, real early in the sixth. So, uh, so you got the three guys drafted, and uh, I guess just kind of your first thoughts on on those three guys going, Matt.
0: No, I mean, I think we we all had had followed the draft uh, musings and 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 uh, procrastinators or procrastinators, sorry, prognosticators uh, over I the mean, past.
1: Likely, likely. Pro- procrastinators they did
0: that too yeah yeah uh but over the past few months and and we all kind of had a feel that that clark and washington were good to be picked we we felt comfortable about those guys at least being picked we you know third fourth fifth whatever right uh but grant having his name called that that was pretty cool and um it's been great to see all the coverage on the guys the comments and um you know i think you hit the nail on the head i mean you talked about how you interviewed deandre out of high school and so i think for me personally if if we can have a moment of selfishness it's it's just going to be kind of cool to start seeing some of the the guys that i covered go into the draft next year possibly or even the year after um will will really start flowing in i i noticed some of the juco kids uh that that had gone but they're away late and they're kind of more obscure picks. I, don't, I didn't right. remember anybody that was just really out front, you know, with a great opportunity. But, um, but, but I think that aspect was pretty cool. And, and I was watching the draft of my, uh, brother in law and he even made a comment. He's like, you know, all I care about is cowboy stuff. That's my outlook on this. And, and you know, like this guy and that guy and what he did there. And, and so it's just different perspectives. So to me, that was really fun. Uh, but to see those guys, I mean, to see Clark. Uh, end up with an organization like the Colts, and to hear him, you know, being asked, well, hey, you know, now you're going to be blocking for this guy named Andrew Luck. What do you know about him? And and he's like, you know, ah, I mean, he's he's amazing. He's one of the best quarterbacks there is. So I'm just I'm really lucky. And so just to see him excited, uh DeAndre, I think that the more and more I read it, it looks like he's going to have a real opportunity if he can sure. get in there. A and, really good opportunity from what? Yeah. I heard, yeah. And so, I mean, above and beyond that, you know, I mean, out of the three guys on we, uh, you know, going back to the beginning, we knew Clark and we, and we knew Washington were going to get drafted. But, you all know, I do still believe that Grant could make the biggest splash. You know, he could get in there on special mm-hmm. teams and we've seen what he does And the NFL is all about speed. The NFL is all about uh, athleticism, you know, at that highest level. And if he can uh, if he can, you know, keep some of those those jitterbug moves going at that level, he's going to. He's going to be in the league for a while. He's going to at least be a special teams contributor. And then uh, I'm already looking forward to the NFL preseason. If you think back to the the last few years, we haven't had a lot to to look for uh, from from Red Raiders when it comes to that preseason time frame. And now we've got three different teams to follow, so it'll be pretty fun.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And whenever you talk about uh, with Grant, from from what I've heard, I think they're really looking at him to be – They're honestly their primary kick and punt returner and to uh, replace uh, Jarvis Landry as that guy. So I think it's really exciting that that's what they see out of him. And from some of the comments I saw after the draft from – you know how it is with with anonymous scouts on those kind of things. And uh, there were two or three guys that thought that he would be kind of the steal of the end of the draft as far as a guy that not many people are talking about and really kind of makes a splash on special teams and uh, could – Really, kind of, maybe even move in as as a fifth option or fourth option as far as a receiver. I even heard uh, someone compare him to Trenton Holiday, but Trent, but he's a better receiver than Trenton Holiday uh, ever was. So, so I think you're really excited about him and the, and the legitimate opportunity he's going to get. Uh, I think then you look at at uh, at DeAndre and and the the most exciting thing about that is you look at a guy last year in uh, Latavius Murray, who's you know the starting running back for. The Raiders, and he had one of the highest uh, carry like carry load percentages as far as running backs in the NFL last year, and they really are trying to find a guy to be their permanent third down back. And from everything I've read, uh, it sounds like they really want DeAndre to come in and be that. So I'm excited to see what he does because I just know how hard that that kid works, and I know how much he cares about it, and how what it means to him, and I know the talent he has, and I, I don't care how short he is. That guy is, you know, dynamite in a in a in a small package, and has the speed, has the moves, can can pass block, can do all, can catch. So, I, I just I just think that's a really good opportunity for him. And then you look at La Raven and goes to like you said, one of the best organizations in the NFL. And the Colts drafted two offensive two offensive linemen there early. They took a center in the first round, and then they took La Raven, who uh, is going to play one of those tackles I guess I would assume he's gonna play right tackle I would guess from from the beginning so uh I think that he could be you know a piece of of an offense that now that they've kind of tried to retool that offensive line that really shines again this year so I just think all three landed in really really good spots for them and you don't always see that when guys get drafted as, as far as you know like a good fit or uh, a guy that's, that you feel like to have a good opportunity but but it amazingly i think all guys have really good opportunities to kind of lay their claim to uh kind of a role on each team
0: yeah that's the fun part and and definitely a and that'll be fun because you know anytime you're you're working with an andrew luck he's gonna make you look good uh, a little bit too so uh, i'll be interested to see how they adjust to the next level but i mean i deandre has improved every single year you know barring injury well, lot, and too, and, and, and yeah and that was just the one time and you know, he fought through that, and I, I think that if he can uh, continue to improve, um, you know, we've we've talked about that uh, at length. That, that you know, we see some of the comparisons to to some other of the players, and and uh, a lot of the, what I read about him is just his strength, his strength. And you know, you just really didn't. It's just funny to me because we didn't really think of him like that uh, when he was here at Texas he like
1: Tech,
0: a right? You just thought of him as as that guy that could just pick up chunks of yards and you know he was he was small enough to hide behind that line and kind of pick and choose his spots but you know he he just did so many different things that um it's just it's pretty impressive to see um you know where these guys have come in in 4 years and and I can say the same about JaKeen Grant um you know just wish those guys the best and it's just all that much important to to turn around and replace them now so um we'll just have to keep tracking them throughout the offseason and and into mini camps
1: Yep, we will absolutely have to keep doing that and excited to see what all three of those guys do. So moving on from, uh, you know, Red Raiders that got drafted, you and I also wanted to just for a while just kind of, you know, look at the draft as a whole and just some of our uh, overall thoughts. So I guess I guess first off, before we get into any like Cowboys or Texans stuff, I guess first just kind of what we're from what you kind of got to see this or what you kind of read, read or like anything really stick out to you from the draft or anything that, like I said, really kind of popped out to you off the page.
0: Well, number one has to be, I mean, everybody probably knows what I'm going to say, but it has to be the Tunsil stuff. I mean, I think that's like some (laughs) next level stuff. Uh, That's like
1: 30 for 30 material as far as a story like down the road.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I just think that, that the, I don't know, the, the the breakdown and the fallout from that, I just don't think that that's over uh, at this point in time. No, I mean so either. we'll just have to see where it goes. But at the end of the day, uh, he went from being the consensus number one to dropping after, uh, you know, because even, even at, with the Chargers and the Cowboys, it wasn't a certainty that he was going to go after Goff and Wentz. But mm-hmm. at five, six, you're like, what's happening? And then the news starts to come out about the pictures and the – video and all that stuff and and it was just pretty wild i mean it gave you flashes of uh, a couple of times it gave you flashes of you know when rogers was dropping and and you wondered you know how low will he go and then that translated right over from tinsel into jack and so there was there was a lot of that there but i think the young man handled it well and um tinsel you know bless his heart i think he was just genuinely trying to be an honest person and um Credit to him. I mean, I, that it, man. kids
1: that, like kids that age don't usually handle that kind of thing. Like he did to his credit, man. Like well, there has to, the I
0: mean, there has to be, even if we're being generous on the estimates, let's call it 50 cameras and 50 reporters. Um, and they're all, you know, begging to ask the questions and, you know, he just, he just said, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. You know, that happened and that was it. And of course we all know the story about how he was ushered away. But, um, but yeah, that, that was the drama. For me, I think the interesting part uh, that will play out is is we're going to get into our the specific teams, like you had said. But I think what was it from picks twenty one through like twenty five or twenty six? Um, you know you you saw those you you saw those picks go on a run of wide receivers, and Mm -hmm. and so that's that's why you know I I look at those and and I, I just wonder you know. Who's going to really kind of excel at the, in the, at the next level? And I just think, man, like, how do you guys pass on Treadwell? Um, even if this guy's really fast, you know, uh, in J, in, in the, in the Notre Dame kid, right? Or even if this guy is, is long and can go get the ball like a Dotson. I just think that, you know, what, what is proven in the NFL and it's just that nasty go get it. Mm Kind yes. of dude like like Treadwell, and that's what he is compared to those other guys.
1: Yeah, no, he is. And, and the, the thing that I always say about the NFL is 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 speed at receiver is so flat out overrated. Because whenever you see guys like Jerry Rice, Terrell Owens, and Anquan Bolden, those are all guys that run in like the four eights and like high four seven, like low four eights. And those are three guys that are all going to be in the hall that either are or are going to be in the Hall of Fame. So it's so much more to me about uh, route running, uh, physicality, and just technique as far as getting open more so than it is speed. Now, it's, it, now, now, do you love speed? Absolutely, man. You you love getting speed and having targets you can throw it to way down the field. But it, but the hit, but the percentage of times that you're gonna hit on those balls, those deep balls, as far as uh, just throwing it up to some guy that's running a streak down the field, the hit rate is much lower than. Say guys that are running these ten and twenty yard routes uh, consistently, and and I ju- I just think that uh, speed is overrated, like you said. And, and the thing the thing that sucks for that a kid like Treadwell is after he had that horrific injury uh, last uh, last year, or the year before, whichever one it was two years ago, I guess uh, mm-hmm. two years
0: ago. He,
1: that they all talked about how that really kind of killed his speed. So you felt terrible for a kid like that, but he bounced back so well, and uh, that's that's the kid I would have taken out of all of these kids. Now I do think it's super super interesting what uh Corey coleman could be but i think he's so raw at this point that he's gonna have to learn how to run an nfl uh route tree which is just totally the polar like to compare it to what he did at baylor it's basically comparing like a pop-up color book to like a physics book as far as the difference between sure between what he's going to have to do at the two yeah. levels. Yeah. And
0: I get that. I do. But I don't – you know, I, I think it's fair, right? I'm not going to argue it. But at the same time, you know, where we sit and, and the team that we cover, you know, let's say that we're talking about a Lauderdale next year or we're talking about – um Oh, uh, I'm sorry man who's the uh, the new Juco? a uh, Willies course, you know what yes. if these guys are trying to go to the NFL and oh yeah all they know is this coloring book compared to this I mean I I buy it I buy it to an extent but you know players make plays and in the NFL you know these guys if if a smart coach will will bring them along slowly and yes I think what's most important in the NFL is is the communication factor right yep. you're gonna you're in yep. louder stadiums you're going no huddle uh you're 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 going into the huddle you're you're doing this that and you're learning all the new playbook and the nomenclature that's more important to me to be able to be where you're supposed to be than to learn the entire route tree, right? I mean no, if the, I agree, for sure. the right coach and the right quarterback. And, and 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 I didn't lump Corey Coleman in with those other guys just because I think he is that similar dog type of receiver and time will tell. But compared to compared to the Notre Dame kid and Dotson, I just thought like wow He's, you know, yeah. you you're gonna probably think, hey, we could have had that kid.
1: And the thing about Will Fuller is that, which is the Notre Dame kid, is the inter- interesting thing to, to me is like he run, he runs like a four three one or like a four three flat, but he had the highest drop rate of any number one receiver in college football last year. So, like that's that's the thing. Like for me, you know, whenever I see the Texans, it's like they need another reliable guy other than DeAndre Hopkins. And is he going to be that, or is he just going to be this fast guy that you use as a decoy? Or uh, he's he is or is he going to basically be Darius Hayward Bay, you know, just like a guy that's super fast and is kind of a journeyman because that's kind of more what I see him as. He made a ton of plays at Notre Dame, but there's nothing like that I super super love about him, you know, after going back to see it. But but yeah, I, I agree. That's that's the other big thing that, that was really interesting to me. Um, one more thing that was super uh, intriguing to me in the first round was the Cardinals taking uh, Robert Kim DJ at thirty because if they can get him if they can harness his potential and get him to be a consistent player i mean is that the best defensive line in the nfl because i would think it would have to be pretty close
0: yeah i mean and even the uh even the patriot or patriots even the panthers went defensive tackle with their first round pick so i mean it's just it uh i mean it shows you that the good teams in the nfl they've got they've got a ton of these guys and they're bringing them in and out and and that's the way it works is is if these guys pan out then then great you reap those benefits but at the same time you're always going to have to be looking for more depth because the guys that pan out are going to go make 90 million guaranteed or whatever it is and you can't have too many of those if any on your roster and and field a competitive team so uh yeah i just you know i wish our teams would do a little bit more of that but you know so is life
1: <laughs> i know man i know The last thing before we got into Cowboys and Texans specifically, I wanted to talk about was uh, just a little bit of kind of Big Twelve and where guys kind of got drafted. And uh, the the, one of the things that really just jumps off the page to me about about the Big Twelve was, and I'm counting it right now. I'm pretty sure that West Virginia got one, two, three. uh, They had they had five, four, four of the five DBs, four of their five starting DBs got drafted this year, which is just incredible. All three of the guys, because they, they run a 4 four two five 5 or whatever, so all three safeties got drafted, and one of the corners got drafted, which it just makes, like, they were a really, really good defense last year, and that, in my opinion, was the worst game that Tech had offensively last year, and that was a lot to do with what those guys did. Uh, but but that makes me wonder, too, is is how good is West Virginia actually going to be next year, Cause I just don't think that's a school where you lose four NFL defensive starters. I mean, oh. starters, and you and you just recover. You know?
0: Did you did you? What I did is I found myself watching the highlights of uh, Joseph killing people, basically, oh, and and, be, and remembering, hey, that guy was out against Texas Tech. <laughs> that's probably nice, right?
1: Right. <laughs> yeah, and it didn't work out at the same time. But that dude. <sighs> And and I kinda I wondered if that would happen where he would somebody would take a chance on him in the first round because I watched that guy play football for three years, probably three and then the four games, and he is one of the best safeties that I have ever watched in the Big Twelve. He just absolutely just soul would hit people with like just soul crushing hits on people. And on top of that, he is just so rangy. So I think the Raiders will love him as far as uh as far as a draft pick goes. And then some of the other guys, you look at Emmanuel Ogba going to the Browns, and the, the craziest one was how far that Andrew Billings fell. And I guess there's some concern about his leg injury from last fall, and that's why he fell so far. But even even so, that dude is just not a guy you wait until the fourth round to take. I don't care what his health status is unless you just don't think he's ever going to play.
0: Oh, true, and, and he's uh, he's literally just turned 21 or something like that. He's super young.
1: Right, and that was my whole thing was I could not believe that he fell all the way to the fourth round. Like, you want to talk about value picks, that might be the best value pick in the entire draft as as far as.
0: And uh, and another team that's just adding defensive line depth.
1: Yep, yep, absolutely, absolutely they are. Uh, Anybody else here that sticks out? Um, I thought it was (laughs) Texas only had one kid go. Again, the only kid they got drafted was uh, Hassan, was Hassan yeah. Ridgeway. So it just makes you wonder, like, what they've been doing down there. As like, what are they doing in there? Like, like you, you just never know what they're like. What is going on in Texas? Because they keep getting good good classes, but none of these kids are turning into NFL kids.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I'd say to be fair, that's the last. Uh... That's the, the these are the supposedly the yeah. last batch of the Mac Brown era. Um, I don't think you're going to see any anything on the offensive side for several years, which is going to be right. You know, odd. But I mean, give it give it some time. I mean, I I'm I follow recruiting, so do you. I mean, Charlie's got some some bad boys on that. Oh, they defense. they got some good
1: kids that are young for sure. So that's
0: that's I think that's why. You know, a they're Texas, so of course they're going to get the attention. But but B, I think that's the reason that a lot of people go with them as like a sexier pick because if the offense can score, the defense has proven that that when healthy and, and you know consistent, that it can do well. But they're they're very similar to a Texas Tech in that they're bringing in a lot of young uh, players that have to play. And their their young players just happen to be like Rivals 100 guys. So it Uh, makes it a little bit different of a transition. But still, I mean, even last year, like some of their defensive tackles and some of their outside linebackers and a lot of their secondary were all true freshmen, not even redshirt. They're all true freshmen. Um, and, And, again, same thing, Rivals 250, Rivals 100 guys. so uh in another two years i think you'll see more of those guys but what'll be interesting is that you'll really probably see zero from that offense and i mean you I can't wonder
1: about john burt that's the one kid i'm curious about i, bet he, I mean he kids. was
0: a true freshman last year and he still has i mean he's fast and he's got some good size but i think you know he'll have to continue to improve not to say he can't but that's just another kid that was a true freshman so you're still two way two years away at least yep yep yep
1: absolutely absolutely um I guess moving on from Big 12 stuff, uh, let's kind of talk about the Cowboys and the Texans. We'll go with the Cowboys first uh, because they had a lot bigger draft class than the Texans did. You obviously take Zeke, uh, Ezekiel Elliott at four, and I've seen some really dumb hot takes from people that are like, it was a terrible pick because, because yeah, yeah, Cowboys. That was basically the, 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 the I don't know, just what they wrote in the article. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I think if you're in win now mode, that's the pick that makes sense, because he is another piece at running back, like you had with Demarco Murray, where you can just with that offensive line, if you can just find him some holes, he's gonna he's gonna get a lot of yards and he's gonna score a lot of touchdowns. So if that if the Cowboys can get back to what they did on offense in 2014, which is play control of the clock offense, but at the same time just run it down people's throats, where you know, they're averaging like seven or eight yards a clip. I think that really is what the best formula is for this Cowboys team to keep the defense off the field uh, as long as you possibly can. Uh, other than that, if you look down here, obviously, the Jalen Smith pick is one of the most interesting picks in the draft simply because he's a guy I think that a lot of people figured if he was healthy would have been one of the two or three top picks in the draft, but because he's got issues with that knee. He dropped so far because some people were worried. Some people had him off their boards entirely, but the guy who did the surgery on his leg is also the Cowboys team doctor, so they kind of have the inside track on him. So if that if that pick pays off, I think you, you look like a genius if that one pays off in the long run because of how talented he is. And I think people think if he lives up to his you know expectations, that's an all-pro uh, outside linebacker, which which he'd love to get. Um, a couple other things that are interesting was – Taking Dak Prescott in the fourth round I thought was an interesting move because I am not a big Dak Prescott guy at all. I think he's basically Tim Tebow if Tim, if, if Tim Tebow wasn't as good. So take that for what it's worth. So, <laughs> uh, And then the other big one is, is Rico Gathers in the seventh as a tight end, a guy who hasn't played football since he was in the seventh grade. So... Um, it was an interesting draft. I'll give them that. I mean, there's there's a lot of like interesting picks, but I don't know that I love the class as a whole.
0: No, I mean I have to agree with you because, um, I mean I I, I we've talked about this before, but I, I mean I'm okay with the Rico Gathers pick because I'm you're kind of flip, yeah, you're flipping the coin at that point, but um, it's I guess for me I'm I'm kind of torn because I understand the why on Jalen Smith. It's just that if you if if you're going to take Ezekiel Elliott because you're going to win now, then, right, 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 then, right, right. then why why wait to address the secondary until the fourth round? Because if you're gonna to want to win now, then I got news for you. You know, what you've got in the secondary is a joke. And I know the idea is that a healthy running game is going to help the defense. But what happened two years ago is two years ago. Yeah, Philly's going to be crap. You know, the Giants are going to be a question mark. But Washington's getting a lot better. They had
1: a good draft. I thought I liked yeah. that Yeah,
0: and then they've, and they've had a tremendous off season as well. So, um, you know, yes, they're going to do some good things. And and yes, it's uh, I don't know. It's a situation where uh, where. You know, maybe long term, Jalen Smith turns into a terrific player. Maybe Ezekiel Elliott, Elliott comes in behind that line and, and works wonders. But there's also the reality of of building for depth as well. And and so they ended up having they ended up taking another running back later in the rounds. Um And I just I guess I just question where the defense is going to come from. I liked how they went and got a, another defensive tackle mm-hmm. that was promising, but you never really mm-hmm. secured your defensive end. Um, until later, um, if at all.
1: And and Tapper's a weird pick because he could be a defensive tackle at the next level instead of an end.
0: No, I agree, and that's why. I mean, more of like a true three-tech, you know, setting the edge type of guy. Um, But even then, it's not like he set the world on fire at Oklahoma either. I mean, he kind of was was pretty average above average, yeah. Yeah, and so... I guess you know he could develop, right? But we're talking about guys in that first and second round. You need guys that can come in and play right away. And clearly, Jalen Smith's not going to play till next year. Mm-hmm. And then above and beyond that, you're going to hope that defensive tackle and this new cornerback can actually get some PT as well. But where, where, where do you what do you do with all these other holes in the roster? You didn't get any other receivers, mm-hmm. um, and. You've got now. You've got a backup quarterback, but like you said, um, it clearly wasn't their first option. And so now, you know, why do it at all? That's that's my take. He's I mean, not my... a guy
1: that's ready to to, to to come in. If if Tony if Romo gets hurt, Kellen Moore is going to be the guy that comes in the game.
0: Well, sure. I mean, but let's be honest. If, if Tony gets hurt, I mean,
1: it's game uh, over know, again. Yeah. It's,
0: it's, if that happens two years in a row, it's going to be hard to actually even turn the TV on, you know, and watch it. But, but that's the point is, you know, half of me says, ah, oh, man, I really wanted Ramsey. But a lot of me is understanding why they did Ezekiel Elliott. And I mean, we talked about it. The writing was on the wall, you know, one week. Oh, yeah. It made draft. sense. Yeah. Um, but but it's it's one of those where we just had to kind of take a we just had to take a pass and say, look, you know, the uh excuse me, the uh the time will tell. And that's it. That's all we can say. Yeah. I mean, the, all the all the reasoning is there for why they did it. But if you're going to do that. If, you're gonna, in my opinion, if you're going to do that and you're going to take such a risk at the number four pick,
1: then why didn't you take a the in the hell, second round or why yeah, didn't you take a defensive why, tackle? Yeah. yeah, why
0: are you drafting a guy that can't play this next year? Because your defense, if anything, your defense needed help. You oh, know? Especially and, a and, pass
1: rusher, outside linebacker type.
0: Well, yeah. yeah, and that was before your defensive ends just both suspended for, for four, idiots, the first yeah. four games. Yeah, So, I mean, it, it could be pretty bad uh, defensively this season but again um, maybe rob marinelli is is going to pull another rabbit out of his hat and pull some guys off their couch and make it work so you know we'll, we'll just have to wait and see
1: yeah and the the thing that i i wonder too is if if kevin Dodd and emmanuel ogba don't go off the board the the, the picks literally the two picks right before the cowboys drafted do you think they take either one of those guys
0: Say that one more time.
1: Uh, so Kevin Dodd from Clemson, who's an edge rusher, and then uh, Emmanuel Ogba, who's obviously a, an edge rusher. I wonder, those, both those guys went off the board right before the Cowboys picked, so I wonder if one of those guys would have gotten taken instead if they were there.
0: Um, I mean, uh, maybe so, but... I don't know. I mean, they but, had the they had the chance to trade back if their guy wasn't there. They had a chance to negotiate with other teams, and apparently somebody in the room must have just been clamoring for Jalen Smith. And and maybe we look back one day on this recording and we look stupid because he's like some you know superstar yeah, in the league, yeah. and that's fine. Uh, but you know, before he had injured himself in the bowl game, he's supposedly a top five player. That's fine. I guess what I'm saying is. You know, take a chance. Yeah, take a true. chance, and then dra- trade back into the second if you think that you know. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to op- oversimplify it, but you just had bigger no, needs, sure. and I think that, that that has to be pointed out.
1: I think something that they should. I mean, I-, I just don't get why you don't, like you said, why you don't trade back and add another fourth or fifth rounder. So you trade back, and then you take a guy like Von Bell, who's a, who was a safety out of. Uh, Ohio State, you could have taken him mid-late second. You could have taken A'shaun Robinson mid-late second. There there were guys there that you could have taken that you would have said, okay, cool, I will take that guy, and you would be happy with it. Uh, But I don't know. The the thing you wonder is, is like you said, how confident are they in these early sixth-round picks other than, uh, you know, just guys are taking flyers on, and that will be kind of – Kind of the interesting thing to me because you obviously have a guy like, if I remember right, wasn't Orlando Skandrick like a sixth or seventh round pick?
0: It's like a fifth round pick. A yeah. Fifth
1: round pick. So, so I wonder how confident they are in uh, Kavon, or, or I don't know how you say his name, Kevin or Kevin Fre- Frazier from Central Michigan, uh, who's a safety, and then you have Anthony Brown from Purdue who is a corner that I know some people like. So, uh, we will see. I guess it was a very interesting draft.
0: Um, I just thought it was over underwhelming, and it was. Uh, and and unless. I I can't imagine, you know, if you just if you just put Smith to the side for one year unless Ezekiel Elliott I heard somebody say this, unless he wins rookie of the year and the Cowboys win the division, how can you possibly say it was a a good draft? You know, uh because outside of that, you know, this defensive tackle, he's going to get backup play at the most, and then the cornerback has an opportunity to get on the field a little bit, but other than that, who else? Right? Yeah. I mean, who else?
1: Yep. No, I agree. I agree. It'll be certainly interesting to see how it unfolds moving forward. So uh, we'll head over to the other side of Texas team with the Texans, who only took six players in the draft. Uh, only had get, you know picks from the one through fifth round. So uh, you, you take Will Fuller there as the first kid that goes as a receiver, who is a speedster, that you're going to, I guess, play on the outside. Uh, I don't know if I love that pick. I think I would... I just thought it made more sense for them to take Doxson or take Treadwell right there. I just thought it did because that's a big outside target that they can go back to as, you know, a guy that was like, uh, Andre Johnson. That's, I mean, I'm not saying either one of those guys obviously is going to be that, but it's a big physical outside target uh, for one of your quarterbacks. And then, uh, in the set in the second round, take an offensive center, which is I need to address. Uh, then they take Braxton Miller, who's another, you know, speed receiver. So, that was the most interesting thing to me is that they took two, like speedsters at receiver. So that that's the most curious thing to me in what they did.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Braxton's got some size to him, and I think he may end up being the better of the two. Uh, but just you know, like you said, based on what was available, um, I don't. I, I don't. I won't sit here and, and act like I know what's best for the Texans. But um, I know why they did it. To, to get the, the double teams off of Hopkins. Right. But you can do the same thing by having somebody just like Hopkins on the other side. I mean, it's so. just about so, having
1: another good receiver. It doesn't matter at the, in the end of the day what kind Yeah,
0: they don't of have, have to run a 4 three forty 40 and run 10 post routes a game. But all the comparisons to Deshaun Jackson and stuff like that, that's fine and well. Um, but you already have DeAndre Hopkins, so you don't really need to. To trick it up too much, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I also know that they lost. They're 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 losing Deshaun Foster or uh, Arian Foster, so they didn't really address uh, running back, you know, earlier uh, like like maybe I thought they would. Um, I know that they did end up getting a guy, I believe. Power
1: out of San Jose State, yeah, in the fourth.
0: Yeah, so we'll see how that plays out. But they had some opportunities earlier in the draft to maybe get their hands on some other guys, and just overall, I just thought, like I said off the top, you know you're going to look at those guys over the next few years, and you're going to see Treadwell, and you're going to see uh, Dotson, and, and you're just going to have to take a look at what happens. I even like the kid out of Colorado State that got drafted. He's an mm-hmm. old Mesquite Horn
1: kid. Mm-hmm. Yep. Higgins. Yep. yep, I like Higgins too. So uh, Interesting draft. I like them taking KJ Dillon from West Virginia in the fifth, just because I like all those defensive kids from West Virginia. so um so yeah, they had a really small draft class, and that was the weird thing for me is they didn't try to to finagle any trades to get any more picks or didn't try to do anything like that because they're a team that really really needs a lot of young players if you ask me.
0: Uh yeah, definitely.
1: So that was uh, that was what was most interesting to me. Um, I guess before we get into uh, get into questions, anything else that struck out to you about the, just kind of the draft in general? I thought for the most part, just just kind of my thought, I thought it was a pretty predictable draft. There wasn't anything just extremely outlandish about it this year.
0: You know, the I will say the thing that stuck out to me was all of the like all of the smaller trades from like seventeen
1: lot, yeah. to
0: to thirty two, and it's like. All right, you just moved up like one or two spots. Like I don't know, where's the gamble in that? And I don't know. And and you always see a team trade back into the first. Uh, you didn't see a lot of that. Um, so so not not a whole which lot Dallas of dramatic. Was kind of
1: rumor that that was kind of the talk is that they were going to try to get Paxton Lynch, which
0: which um, makes the other Prescott move all that much more weird. Like you, like those guys just really kind of caved to. Um, I don't know, they just kind of caved to what uh, people said or thought that they should do. And I just I thought that was kind of lame because, you know, if Dak Prescott isn't a guy you th- like because they, they Stephen Jones made comments about Paxton Lynch, you know, saying, yes, we did try to do that. And here's why we think he could sit and develop behind Tony Romo and then to turn around and, and then you've got to answer questions about, well, you did take this guy. Oh, uh, well, I'm not sure if he can develop, but we're going to try, you know, I mean. It's I don't know. It's kind of like a comedy of errors, and and I think that you know uh, what is Prescott's ceiling, right? I mean, you know, does he can he be Dante Culpepper or Donovan McNabb?
1: See, I don't think that, I don't and, think and, and don't I don't
0: think he could be either. Can be either. Yeah, and so you know, I've heard career backup. I've heard two or three years in the league, and so to me, that's just a wasted pick.
1: No, it is, and it's 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 what they've done at quarterback for the last ten years. Other than Tony, they've gotten guys who are career backups or they just haven't ever had another guy that you were like, you know what, I feel excited about this guy for the future. And it here's the thing that worries me, just and this will be my last rant about the Cowboys is that going forward, let's say that Dallas has a really good year. Uh let's say let's just let's just say they make it to the NFC uh, championship game and they go like 13 and 3. Uh, just have a really, really good year where the offense is like it was. You just have a year similar to 2014, let's say that. So you're in the division, and you're number 28 or 27 in the draft. So how many more years do you feel like you have with Tony Romo? Three, including this year? Four at the most? So that's just where I'm at. It's it's just that that's something they have to be thinking about, because what kid are you going to take that low? in the first round that you feel like is gonna be the franchise starter for the Dallas Cowboys for the next ten years, you know?
0: I mean Yeah, I guess so. I mean they they didn't make any crazy moves to get Goff or Wentz and and they've got Tony so the the pick at four was winning now like we said and and then in the in the in the second you know that's where they went with Smith, and so so a little bit of a little bit of both sides to that, I guess. But um, you're right. I mean, you've got to see what happens, and, and I've seen some of the early returns on the top 2017 quarterbacks, and it it doesn't look that good. Um, well, the guy and,
1: everybody is all on is Brad Kaya, and I don't know what I think about him. You know,
0: eh? I mean, but I again, I still don't. You know that we'll see. It's such a, it's such a kind of prove it type deal. And, and, um, you know, in, in the, in the most recent years, you, you see, oh yeah, these guys, they get in, they play right away. And now really Paxton Lynch is the first guy I've, I've heard say, yeah, this is a guy you could develop for two years and in the right spot, you know, blah, blah. blah. They don't say that about kids anymore. You know, it's just kind of like they throw you into the mm-hmm. deep end and you got to swim or, or you're done. Um, so, We'll we'll see what happens, uh, but yeah, I, mean, I, I just thought that was such a throwaway pick, and you knew it was coming, too. Uh, oh,
1: for sure, but he, I see, I would have rather him taking a kid like Connor Cook or something like that, like, that would have made a lot more sense to me in the long run, as, as far as a kid that I think might have some potential down the road.
0: Well, yeah, but I think that he was off the board at that point in time, and and. Um, I thought it was a little high in the second. So, you know, maybe they're in between a rock and a hard place on, you know, where their board shook out.
1: Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, So cool. That will, that's it for NFL draft talk. And we will move on to uh, questions from over at Red Rider sports. You guys asked several this week, which we are very grateful for. Keep on uh, giving us questions. We love to answer your questions and want to know what you guys want to know about. So, uh, we'll start off with, uh, Mr. Root, who did ask about, uh, you know, tech guys that got drafted. And since we already talked about that, we'll skip to that part of it, but, uh, we'll start it off with a little fun and say food question, favorite burger joint, either in the LBK or elsewhere. That's not fast food.
0: Uh, we've got a, uh, we've got a place down here in Houston called hub crap grill and it's downtown and, uh, it's, it's. Kind of, it's really small. You kind of got to duck your head to go in between the, the two different buildings. And, um, it's a heart attack on a plate, but it's one of the, it's one of the better burgers here, uh, in town. I like a place over here, uh, called Piñas, just a, uh, hometown place. Um, but I guess chain wise, I mean, they have Papa's Burgers down here. Right, Those right, are pretty right. good. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Other than that, I think that's it for me.
1: Cool. Uh, for me, And I kind of thought about it a little bit. Uh, There's a couple places. As far as semi-chain, because they're both in Lubbock and Amarillo, uh, I'll say Blue Sky. It does it right. Solid burger, great burger every single time. Uh, But my pick, and a little kind of hidden gem as far as a good burger, uh, is at Local, which is a bar on Broadway. And they have one of some of the best burgers in town, one of the best burgers in my town, or in town. So that's my pick for as far as... As in Lubbock is either one of those places. I don't think you can go wrong. So, uh, Next question is from Brett TTU who asks Assuming no injuries, who's going to have a better offensive line at the beginning of this year? Baylor, Texas, or Texas Tech? Uh, and then where does Tech's OL rank in the Big 12 at the beginning and the end of the year? And just starting with Tech, it's going to be interesting to see how this group kind of meshes together because you have Balin Brown and you're just going to put him. Uh, either at left tackle or right tackle right now it kind of sounds like depending on how how far along that Matt uh, not Madison that, that Terrence still comes along because I think they would like to put him at left tackle uh, could see Balen starting out at left tackle and those guys flip flopping kind of throughout the year depending on how Lee Hayes feels about it and then on at center you got Tony Morales who is a senior that I had that from what I heard had a great Great spring, so I think they're excited about him as an older guy that's really kind of growing here late, that obviously is very talented and was out of high school. Uh, then you have Justin Murphy, who will be back this fall. And, and if he's healthy and if he's what he was, you I think you feel really, really good about four out of the five starters. Now it comes down to the fifth guy, which right now is is Madison Akamnanu, and you wonder if it's him or if it's somebody else that ends up taking that spot. And I think right now he would be the guy, so... Uh, the thing will be is how do those guys mesh, and that's what happens anytime that you start three new guys on the offensive line is is those guys have to learn chemistry with each other. so I would say, as far as beginning of the year uh where kind of who has the better offensive line I'll say even though Baylor did lose as much as tech, the way those guys have that system running and they have you know for the last four or five years, I'll go ahead and put those guys at. The top of the list simply because um, like I said, they have such a system going that I'm not going to uh, poo-poo on them until they change it. I'll put Texas at second just because they have so much experience coming back in, at several key spots with Connor Williams and a couple of those other guys. Uh, and I'll put Tech at third. Now as far as the end of the year, I think you could see it be one or two Tech and Baylor and then UT last. I, I just think Baylor and Tech have better talent altogether together on that offensive line. So um that's my thoughts I guess what are your kind of thoughts based on what you know about the three offensive lines I know you may not know a ton right now
0: well I mean I know Baylor is probably replacing as much if not more than uh Texas Tech uh and and I also know that they've had uh, a few uh injuries in the uh in in the spring practice period so uh, anytime you're replacing the offensive line there's there's never any guarantee but it's
1: chemistry is the ultimate thing with offensive line
0: well certainly and and i think like you said with uh with murphy you've seen what he can do and you hope to get that back and you you hope that uh nanu and Steele can and come in and flash and then you have to have some some solid leadership and play from uh morales and brown and some of the other guys coming back with experience so you know, I think it'll all play itself out. I would say don't sleep on Texas, though, because uh, they got better you know,
1: as, as the year went on. a lot Well,
0: but as I was talking about earlier, I mean, the, if you look at the, the youth on their roster, I mean, they are recruiting well. And so you've got the you've got the big uh, uh, Samoan kid out of Trinity that went there last year. He was an All-American as well as the colton uh kid i or, or forget his last name out of Capel. he connor, was also oh, wait, connor williams a, Con- or connor, yeah. Or connor williams, he, yeah he was also an all-american so you got two of those guys returning along with a couple early enrollees and whomever else that they add and and new coaches so um it really just depends on how they adapt to that scheme but um if they can um you know, those guys came from Tulsa who, who came from Baylor. So if they can mix so, yeah, in that, same system, that, yeah. that power run game, uh, with some of that spread concept, you know, like I said, look out, but it has to click, obviously. So, so I, I would say that's my dark horse for, for being the, the one. Um, uh, but watch out for Baylor. I mean, because they're, they're always reloading, but at the same time, like, I don't know of any names that are just emerging.
1: Right. I, I do think as far as from, just kind of with how this is going to work with with Tech starting essentially three new starters, I think they could go from having the worst start to the season to the best finish to the season out of the three. Just because there's a, lot, I think there's a lot of talent out of that group of five.
0: No, I think they're very talented, and it's just like you said, how does it come together? Uh, but but also think about the quarterbacks that these lines are protecting. I mean, Mahomes can make He's these other guys look a lot a better.
1: Yeah. yeah yeah but um but yeah like you said he's the best by a mile and he'll and he'll move and he moves around and those other guys don't really do that as much uh it'll be interesting to me to see if, if shane Bouchelle does take that job at texas that could be kind of an up and down adventure all year for them uh oh, been
0: there and done that right yeah. right
1: yeah no doubt no doubt with him as being a true freshman so uh so we'll see we'll see what happens um Let's see here. Um, so, Main Street Raider asks uh, Talk about how you expect touches to be divided up by our backfield. How confident are you in Stockton, Felton White, being able to get the job done in third, in third and two, like D Wash did last year, even when the O line wasn't getting as much push? And I'll let you kind of go first.
0: Uh, so, in terms of how it divide up in the backfield, obviously Stockton's going to get the lion's share of the carries. Um, I think you'll see a lot of Dolphine And then the wild card could be either a combination of Felton or a true freshman, daily on Ward. Um, I, mean, I, I think that's how I would split it up. Um, I
1: think Quentin White will be kind of the fullback in this. is yeah, He'll be yeah, like the number two guy in all the two-back sets they run.
0: Yeah, he's transitioned a lot of that. And then if you remember, you've got such a big kid in Mahomes that when they need to line up and sneak it or get a quick yard, you've it. seen him just put his head down um so i don't think that that white would play any specialty type of role and and i think you'll see a lot more from Stockton i mean traditionally you've seen him come in as as a as a replacement or to spell washington mm-hmm. and so it'll be interesting how that role develops but you know based on your reports and what you've seen at both the midland scrimmage and the open practice i mean clearly they're trying to get dolphin involved in the offense as well so i it wouldn't surprise me if he continues to improve to to see him as a as a 1a or not one A, but but a two A, and then Felton as a two B, because I think it's Stockton's job, um, and it'll be interesting to see how he carries, you know, the full load.
1: Right, and and the thing for Dauphine will be, um, how you know how does he how much of the offense does he pick up as far as like blitz packages and, and catching the ball? Because I know that they really really would like to see him catch the ball a lot better, as far as you know, having a lot bigger role uh, as a running back. Because I think here here's kind of what i think i think like you said i think stockton is the number one guy and then you kind of can debate back and forth based off of what you think i think the biggest thing with felton is is he a do that dude whenever you just give him the ball he has such good vision that he just kind of he's so small that he just kind of sneaks in and runs around guys in between the tackles and then all of a sudden you'll just see you know him burst out of you know uh, kind of a muddied up group of four or five guys and he'll take it for 15 yards so that'll be the most interesting thing to me is to see which one of those guys they feel better about. Because with Dauphine, I think you could see him have a very similar role to what Stockton had you know, two years ago, especially where he's kind of the specialty guy where they kind of throw him some sweeps and they do uh, that kind of thing and, and really try to get him the ball uh, off the edge. And, and that'll be interesting to kind of see where they kind of go with all that. But but the, the, the thing in this whole situation is is what, how does De'Leon Ward factor into the equation? Because anytime any of the coaches have been asked about him, they've said, we're going to try to get him touches, we're going to try to get him touches, which that just tells me that he is a guy that they feel is ready to go. And I got to see him play last fall, and I absolutely love De'Leon, but it, I think it just speaks to how good they think he's going to be, that he's already going to factor into this group if they think so.
0: Yeah. And, and, well, and you have a new coach, uh, at right, running right, back. Right. And, and I guess it'll just depend on, on what he can do when he comes in. Maybe that's too ambitious. You know, maybe not. I think running backs one of the positions where if you can, if you can block and, and you can be where you're supposed to be and, and protect the football. Um, I mean, you look at Stockton. He played his freshman year. So, uh, if you got the juice and, and you can do it, then, uh, and you pr- prove that you belong on the field, I, I think, you know, you'll see them there. However, um, you know, maybe proceed with caution. I think that, uh, you know, a lot of coaches wanted Dolphine on their team for good reason. So I think Foster is going to bring him along, uh, throughout the rest of the spring and the summer. And, you know, that could be your one, two punch. I mean, Dolphine's not a monster in comparison, but he's a bigger guy than Stockton and he's going to be able to get, um, you know, more of those put your head down type of yards. Whereas mm-hmm. Stockton is, you know, running towards the edge and making people miss.
1: Yep, absolutely, I agree with that uh, Next question goes from J.D. Ward 66 which is, after seeing some early 2017 mock drafts with Pat going in the first what are your thoughts on the possibility of that happening? I for one think he has all the physical tools scouts covet but also the mental makeup slash toughness they love as well uh, who knows where that lands him so I guess just the question is what do you think about the mocks where uh, Mahomes are going in the first round which there are a couple out there already
0: uh i mean he's never really i mean unless he has just a season that uh transcends all of our wildest expectations i wouldn't see him going out i mean i still remember talking to him and his father uh when he made the decision to go to college and then even since then he's made the decision to focus on football yeah, i could be wrong absolutely but i just don't see him going early i see him you know, waiting it out and, and finishing here at Texas Tech. But, um, I mean, that's my goal there. I, or, I'm sorry, my goal, <laughs> my, uh, my outlook there. But, well, you it, would also
1: it, like that to be the goal. I think. If yeah.
0: That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I just don't, I mean, I don't think that, um, I mean, far be it for me to say, but I don't think he would be ready. I mean, I don't think that. Right. I don't think it would be in his best interest. I mean, we just talked about, I mean, we were talking about Andrew Billings earlier. He left early, and he ended up in the fourth round. I mean, you want to make sure that, you know, you make the right decision because a lot of these guys that declared early, I mean, the average round that they're going is anywhere from four to five, and, and there were a good chunk of them that weren't drafted at all. So, I mean, talk about, I mean, they can never go back to college. They can never have that year back. And now they just have to go and, and fight their way onto our roster. So, yeah. I mean, it's a slippery slope, especially at the quarterback position. It is. It absolutely
1: is. And here's the thing with Pat. I think whenever you see physically just his raw physical skill set, I think there is a lot there that a lot of quarterback coaches love. And you and you hear Cliff all the time say, if I could do what he can do physically, I would still be playing fo- with football, which – for, for Cliff to be a guy you know that that's 37, I think that says a lot about what he thinks about Pat's skill set as far as what he can do uh, with the ball and just kind of him him his makeup and those things. But I think the biggest thing for Pat right now is, and it, it was the biggest thing this spring that he worked on, was uh, becoming consistent with his uh, mechanics and his footwork and all of those things because... That had a tendency, and it always has. It's just kind of part of his game. Where he, whenever he starts running around, those things kind of have a tendency to go by the wayside. But those are also some of the times that he makes some of those wild and, and, and crazy plays that he does. So, uh, you just want to see him really kind of grow in that. In that. In that perspective, you want to see him get a better grasp of uh, understanding what a defense is trying to do as far in, in, in decision-making and where he goes with the ball. And then you also want to see him, just just to be honest, you want to see him stay in the pocket more because even this last year, there were a lot of times, especially early on in the season, when he would vacate the pocket because he would he would get frustrated and then he would just kind of roll out to the flats and then just try to throw it down downfield to somebody. So he just has to become a more consistent player. And I think if he does that, I'm going to be honest. I think if he does that and if he just really does get get as, he, if he really grows as much as I think Cliff believes he can, I think it's worth questioning if he gets a first-round grade because I think tools-wise, unlike anybody else that's played quarterback at Tech, uh, you, you want to talk about Graham Harrell, you want to talk about uh, even Cliff, I think he has a better physical skill set than all those guys. Would you agree or disagree with that?
0: Say it one more time.
1: So would you say that Pat has a better physical skill set than a guy like Graham Graham Harold did, or a guy like Cliff did, or a guy uh or any of these guys that have played in the last fifteen years. I think he does have a better pure, raw physical skill set than those guys do did. Well,
0: and I would say as well as just a makeup of what of what you look for, it's not even a prototypical size because if you take you know if you take Graham's accuracy and his ability to make all the throws and combine that with Cliff's frame, if you will um uh, you know then That's then maybe you get stick. yeah yeah then maybe you get somewhere you know in that range, but I think also Mahomes has some of that, but he also has that um. I don't know that that un un unpredict- uh, that unpredictability unpredictability yeah. yeah and the moxie of being able to make something out of nothing which you didn't really see a lot from those guys not to say that that's a negative thing but but we uh, were also
1: very different than
0: yeah it's different it's it's an evolution but I just think that um you know let's say we talk about it in in terms of year or years give Pat some more time and he's already what six three two twenty he's two thirty uh, now yeah, yeah. two thirty so I mean that's that's pretty big so i mean you you get him in there and and you get him a lot more comfortable um i think the sky's the limit i mean this guy's really dedicated himself to the position so uh, i don't really see anything that he cannot do
1: right absolutely and our last question will go from tb2 which is uh what are y'all's thoughts on big 12 expansion what do you think is best for texas tech and there's been a lot of talk here the last you know four or five days about what's kind of going on with expansion because uh I guess it's like a statistical committee came back and told the Big 12 that their best option as far as getting into the playoff is to add two more teams and you know split the divisions and have a conference title game, which there's been a lot of talk about. I think in the last day or two, as far as the Big 12 doing that or not doing that, and I, I don't know. I just the, the, here's my question. I would love I would love for the Big 12 to be at, at 12 teams, but who are those two teams? that you bring in, or, or or there's even maybe some talk of them going to 14 or 16 teams. So who are the two to six teams that you say, that's a great option. Let's add that team. Because I just don't think unless you really, and I think it's a bad thing for Texas tech. I think it's a bad thing for everybody in the baseball to add a school like Houston, but that's the most obvious choice. Um, Houston, you know, Cincinnati, Memphis, those are all kind of the three that everybody talks about, and none of those blow me away. So is that really good for you or not? I mean, I mean, that's my kind of thought on it.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I, I guess I think it'll just depend. I mean, I'm, it's so far out to worry about stuff like that.
1: No, it is, but at the same time, there just seems to be a lot of kind of ball rolling as far as them talking about actually doing it now. So I don't know if, if there was a school out there that you that you would want to add. What school would that be? Like what schools make the most sense?
0: Uh, I mean I think it's it has to be something we're not thinking about right now, Will, because all of the other names have been out there for a while and they're all capital meh. You know, I, I mean I just think that well maybe and maybe I'm looking at it the wrong way, but you can't you can't look at this thing and try to outdo what's already been done. But you have to think about schools that maybe aren't in play or that would be a big get um, and something that would shake things up. Because if you truly want to go to 12 teams, you know, what's the point? I know they've come out and they've said that, um, well, you know, the money wouldn't be harmed or this, that, and the other. I think the bottom line is they want to know that when they finish the season right now, as it stands, if you don't have a championship game and your strength of schedule is not great, you know, you could have a big 12 undefeated champion that's not playing in the final four and and that's reality right now so i think that's why all the powers that be are having these conversations but you know a big no thanks to any other additional texas schools because right now i mean the baylor's well
1: well, what what happened with tcu is what would happen with houston
0: yeah well absolutely absolutely and and it's it it just further kind of erodes the ability of of tech to land some of these top guys throughout the state as well
1: no it, it totally does and and here's I guess my thought on it is I think for the big 12 to do it, they're gonna have to pull some kind of rabbit out of their hat, something wild where they get a, they get a school from the AC they get schools from the ACC or the pac 12 or the Big Ten and you have to lure them in somehow. And I'm not saying there's any obvious way to do that and it would take a lot to do that. but that's the only thing that makes the most sense you know is to say, hey in uh, the dream scenario, in my opinion, is is for the Texas or not for Tech for the Big Twelve to say, "Hey Clemson, Hey Florida State, you want to come on over to the Big 12? Because that was kind of the original when all of that this stuff was going on f- four or five years ago. That was kind of the big talk was that Florida State and Clemson were kind of the two under the kind of under the surface of the water teams that were kind of interested in the Big Twelve and and, and all that. So that you would have to do something like that or add Notre Dame or I wonder. Here's here's what I wonder. I wonder if a school like Nebraska, because because look at what they've done in the Big Ten. They don't recruit Texas anymore because none of the kids want to go play at, at Nebraska anymore. Uh, they aren't as good, um, and and just not, They're just not. They just are not an important program anymore. And you wonder if they, you know, have some thought about going back to the Big Twelve.
0: I mean, possibly. I mean, I think anybody would take a phone call. But I think it. at the end of the day, it's about dollars and cents, Will.
1: It is. I man. mean,
0: you know, I don't think that they're saying, well, how much more relevant could we be if we did this? I mean, I know that that plays a factor. I won't I won't say that but it just, doesn't.
1: So just think about how they, how they went from one of the relevant teams in the Big 12 to being an afterthought in the Big Ten at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean – I guess it's fair to say, but, I mean, if I were you, I'd check out their recruiting class because they're they're doing doing pretty damn good. So, I don't know. I mean, but, yes, I agree with you, but are are they any less relevant than Tech in the Big 12 right now?
1: Um... Probably not at this point. At this in at this junction. And,
0: and Nebraska is still a blue blood. You know they they're gonna make X amount of money. They,
1: they see themselves as a blue blood, and they are not that right now. Like right now, they're just not that.
0: Yeah, no, I can I can totally agree with that portion. Um, but on the whole, you know, why did they do that, and and are they happy with what they're doing, and and I would say yes, and I think I mean. I don't know. I don't want to overrate it now, but now that all the alignment has happened, you know, I just don't see, you know, your average recruit doesn't care um, about proximity and stuff like that. I mean, if you're in Nebraska, you could still play a game in Dallas or you could still play a game in Houston if you really wanted to. And in the SEC, they're playing A&M once a year. Um, and they're having games in Dallas and Houston. I mean, all these programs, including the Pac-12 and others, are finding a way to get into to Texas and and Ohio State and Michigan are certainly making it a priority as well. So, I don't know.
1: Yeah, uh, and, and just kind of an out, just kind of a wild out there, off topic thought uh, as far as the state of Texas. Did you see where Texas had the most kids get drafted this year, but the Big Twelve finished fifth in kids that got drafted, which says to me that and it's something you know that you and I certainly have seen over the last couple of years but it it's crazy to see even over the last 4 or 5 years how much how many other programs from out of the state are now pulling kids out of the state you know
0: yeah i mean it's it's alarming i mean it's uh i mean i know a lot of the decisions are made because of academics but a lot of them is, are just being made because those programs are getting in on them and getting on them early and often and uh there's so many kids here in Texas that once you get down below the the elite star level guys and you get into your five point five three stars, five point six, three stars, I mean you losing a battle to Northwestern or you losing a battle to a uh an Arkansas or, or uh, Arizona state, yeah, Arizona, I mean, that be,
1: Arizona state, It that
0: becomes a big deal, you know? And, and so I think you've seen that affect, uh, Texas tech as well.
1: Yep. You absolutely have. You absolutely have seen that affect them. So, uh, that's it for this week on the podcast. Uh, unless you have anything else to, uh, to throw out there.
0: Uh, now man, in RIP, RIP, Prince,
1: man, that's no doubt. That was a sad day. Sad, sad day. I will say I'll give props to, uh, uh, my boys over there at the Tech baseball game—they played four or five Prince songs the day after uh, the day after he passed away—and that was that was something that was really cool for me. It, it was to see just kind of how big of an influence that he's had. I think kind of under the radar more so than than maybe you think uh, over the last you know 30, 20, 30 years. Um, because like at every single sporting event that week that weekend, they were playing all his music all over the PA, which I thought was really cool.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, it was still before our time, but I mean, a lot of the classics, you know, we grew up listening to and then, you know, some of the updates and stories that I saw were, you know, that he actually wrote and and helped uh, with the music on some other songs that that you may not even known about. So, so, yeah, he was definitely influential and, you know, sad to see him go. But uh, I don't know. You asked me if I had anything else. So just R.P. Prince.
1: Uh (laughs) <laughs> One more question. What thoughts on, thoughts on views?
0: Oh yeah. Um, I like it, man. I mean, anybody that's asked me, I mean, it's, it really is 50, 50 like hip hop and, and, uh, the other 50 percent's maybe like rap or hip hop R and B. And the other half is rap. Um, and I think that's what you get with Drake. So that's what you expected. Um, you know, it wasn't his only album in two years, but it was his only solo album. And so, I think with 20 songs strong, you know, he, he brought it and um I don't know, I just I think there's going to be at least you know, at least 4 to 6 classics off of uh off of this thing. I mean, I've listened yeah. to it over and over again since last Friday and uh I mean, there's a it, I, what I like about it is there's a song for kind of every mood that you're in and and that's I, yeah, kind of what I very dig about it. Album. Yeah. Um, and I, I get a lot of old like on some of the beats, even I get uh, I get some old like early Kanye kind of you know the 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 forties to sixties you know Lots soul
1: from reverb
0: soul music, and yep, yeah I agree
1: yep um, I kind of thought it's I like it a lot but I also like Drake when he's at his most Drakey so. um so you know what i'm saying Like, like, like this this album is very like peak drake like this as drake as you can get is what this album is so uh i liked it a lot i think it's as far as the album it's the most like nothing was the same like that's the one that's the most similar out of all his other catalog i would say that that's that's what i think anyway yeah
0: i mean i think that uh i don't know i mean i think that that I, I, there's like a hour-long interview that he posted i didn't get to watch the whole thing but um i mean just kind of his vision and the reason that he did the album the reason it's called views and all that i mean i thought it was cool i mean everything he does is thought out and you know maybe some people listen to this and think it's stupid but at the same time um like you said there's a there's it kind of tells a story, and there's there's a different song for every mood that you're in. And I think, you know, for me, everybody, it's funny. Like, you, you see all the fakes, you know what I mean? You see all the posers, because they couldn't have downloaded the album but, like, 10 minutes ago, and they're already commenting on their favorite song, and, oh, it's trash. I'm like, there's no way you could have just listened to 20 songs. I mean, it's probably an hour and a half long.
1: This album trash, bro.
0: Yeah, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to listen to it like three or four times. And,
1: trash, bro. Yeah,
0: and don't get me wrong, there's songs that will come up on there and I'll just press skip. But, I think but one but of the worst things. Cla-
1: unless it's a classic album that's an all-timer, every single album has at least a song no, or two that you do
0: that on. No, but yeah, and all the only point I was going to make is the thing that I hate lately in the rap industry is that they will release songs on the SoundCloud or iTunes yes. like a month or two months before. And I mean, come on, if if Hotline Bling has been on the radio for, like, four months, don't put it on oh, your it's album. It's, like five months. I have, yeah. I have to skip it every time. Like, I'm never going to listen to that song again. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and another thing, too, and I don't think it's just even just rap music, and Drake hasn't done this. I think Drake is one of the best. I think Drake, Kendrick Lamar, and a couple other albums, like, as far as, like, the big artists, they really do make good albums. But my thing is... I think when you look at a lot of the other popular, popular artists, especially, I guess, especially in rap, like future, he like, he, I feel like he releases a lot of like singles or he'll have like three or four songs on an album that are like really, really, really good. And then you skip the rest of it cause it's garbage. I just feel like there are so many artists right now that do that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, they're making money doing it and I, I get are, yeah. why
1: I get why they do it. But, uh, yeah i don't know but yeah and that's the interesting thing about and i know we're rambling on this but that's the interesting thing i think about the music industry right now is because of streaming and and all of that kind of thing it's all become based around i think a lot more anyway as far as where you make the money is it's all based around singles because like you said there are a lot of the singles that get released two to four months ahead of whenever the album comes out so by the time the album comes out, like you said, a lot of times you skip that song because if you've been listening to the radio at all, you're just done with it because if it, if it gets any kind of popularity, it's just, you don't want to listen to it anymore.
0: Yeah. I mean, for me, I I like to listen to stuff over and over again until I get tired of oh, it. So it, it doesn't bother me. And then after that, I'll make a playlist of my favorites and, you know, just compile that onto one master playlist. But i don't know I, I just think it's funny like so many people that that was my favorite part it's like oh it's friday night like oh you know it's only been out for 15 minutes and this is my favorite song whatever else i was like oh my you god it get a,
1: one time or half a time yeah, yeah
0: a it's friday night get a life you know <laughs> b i mean who does that like could you imagine like I, I don't know i know you're a little younger but could you imagine like oh my god i just got the new um uh, I just got the new Wu-Tang CD or I just got yeah. the new, uh, you know, masterpiece CD or whatever it was. Oh, and then. Time to call it talk, a Friday. Yeah. Time but to just stop and in. listen to this whole thing and create some hot opinions about it, you know?
1: No, and that was the thing because I had forgot, to be honest, I had even forgot it was coming out on Friday and uh, I was out with some buddies and I was like, oh, man, I forgot that was coming out. And so, but it's not like I was like, oh, album came out. Sorry, guys. I can't hang out. We can't go out this weekend. I got to go home. So, right. um, but, yeah, I enjoyed it as well and uh, really, really liked that album. So so now that we're done rambling, uh, we will call it a podcast and tie a bow on it. So thanks so much, guys, for listening to this week's edition of the Victory Bells podcast. I'm Will McKay. He's Matt Claire Thanks so much for listening and hope you guys have a fantastic weekend.
0: See ya.